In this episode, we chat with Lawrence Calcano, the chairman and CEO of iCapital, which has transformed the way the wealth management, banking, and asset management industries facilitate access to private market investments. Lawrence began advising and working with iCapital shortly after its 2013 founding to lead key strategic and business development initiatives. He was a partner at Goldman Sachs, where he spent 17 years most recently serving as the co-head of the Global Technology Banking Group. As of December 31st, 2021, iCapital services more than $108 billion in client assets across more than 900 funds. Employing more than 700 people globally, iCapital is headquartered in New York and has offices across the U.S., Canada, Europe, and Asia. We hope you enjoy the show. Lawrence, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. It's a delight to be with you. Great to be here. Thanks. Wanted to kick off with iCapital and kind of the early days because I remember when the idea was being talked about quite a bit, this whole kind of democratization, so to speak, and giving access to more people to the private equity asset class. So can you take us back to those early days and the the vision for the company? Sure. When we first started going, we were really intrigued with what was happening, particularly in the independent space. The number of RIAs or advisors that were breaking out and creating their own platforms, their own advisory platforms, was pretty significant. And the wire houses had provided a very significant amount of service, obviously, to those advisors. And the place we were particularly focused was on the alternative side, because at the wire houses, they had complete access to the best managers in the market. They had complete operational infrastructure that allowed them to, you know, these assets are complex to buy, they're complex to own. And having that operational infrastructure, which was all manual, by the way, really allowed them to do the business and provide opportunities, investment opportunities in alternatives for their clients. And so we saw that. We saw the opportunity to create that platform that they had left behind to create outstanding access to curated product, just like the wirehouses were curating product. We think curation, and we'll come back to this, we think curation is really important so that advisors are providing access to heavily diligenced products to their clients. We also thought, however, that that manual process needed to be replaced with automation. And so the key drivers in the early days was curated access to great managers in an automated context. And that way, advisors could bring these products to their clients who really were quite interested in expanding the allocation to alts within their portfolios in a way that would work for the advisors themselves, who were really smaller businesses in terms of the numbers of people, even those managing a lot of assets. And as we got into it, we sort of realized that the vision, if you will, was correct. But in addition to that independent audience, we realized that most of the banks didn't have the automation I talked about earlier, and they really wanted to scale their business. And that automation component of what we had been building would be highly relevant for them as well. And so we really expanded our market opportunity and started serving all advisors, no matter where they chose to practice and advise clients. It would seem that there's still this layer or element of friction between getting access to the private equity marketplace and the actual end investor. Maybe you still have to have a certain amount of net worth. That's probably the case. You probably still have to work through an advisor. In this kind of bigger scope of what's happening in the financial markets, do you foresee ever 
a true seamless way to invest in the private equity asset class? We do. And we're committed to building that. It's interesting. If you look at sort of bottleneck theory, you know, you can build an outstanding sort of point-to-point automated connection. But if there are other elements of that connection that are not automated, you still end up sort of being slowed to the slowest point in the chain. And so a good part of what we're trying to do is actually create end-to-end automation and include all of the key constituents in that infrastructure. And that means the GPs and creating automation and tools for them, important third-party players like custodians, administrators, transfer agents, in addition to the advisors, and create an infrastructure by which everybody can participate in an automated fashion. And obviously, like most things in life, there are things that you can control in that process, and there are things you can't. And so where we can't, we're fortunate to have great partnerships in place where we're working really collaboratively to try to create that end-to-end automation and encourage our partners really on behalf of everybody. It's not about, hey, this is good for iCapital, but it's actually good for everybody. And I think this is still the biggest impediments in the marketplace is getting everybody to more aggressively adopt automation. Because if you go down the chain and you look at all the participants in the industry, automation is good for the GP because it makes it easier for investors to buy and own these investments. It's really good for the advisors because it makes it easier for them to show these types of investments and for their clients to own these investments. It's great for administrators because it makes it easy. It allows them to automate their processes, which are still heavily manual, transfer agents, custodians. The easier this is for everybody, the more advisors will bring clients into the marketplace and the scale and growth of the business will accelerate, which is good for all the participants in that chain. It seems like, and I'm going to kind of veer off a little bit here in the early days when you kind of first joined, your background is you were at Goldman, you're a partner there for many years, and then you decided to take the helm of iCapital. I imagine there's many bankers who are at a stage in their career where they could maybe coast out into the sunset and live a very nice life, quasi-retired. What was it that made you say, this is going to be big? I'll fast forward because you have over 100 billion now that are being serviced by iCapital. But what was it then that made you think this is worth kind of taking on and building a team and kind of really going for it? Yeah. Anybody who knows me well would tell you coasting is not a strength that I have. (laughs) I'm always in motion or I'm unhappy. You know, and honestly, this was a space that I had seen as a really big space. And at the same time, a tremendous group of people. Dan Benet, Nick Veronis, John Robertshaw had come together to get iCapital going with, frankly, the very similar vision. And I fortunately knew JR, John Robertshaw, knew Nick Veronis, you know, socially or business-wise. And we sort of got together and sit out and realized we had a really the same vision of what this could be. And we decided to kind of put our efforts together and create and drive iCapital, which is tremendous. You know, the one thing I would say over and over again to anybody who wants to do this, the quality of the team around you. And when I say quality, I mean everything from their professional competence to their ability and desire to collaborate and really be partners because every day isn't perfect. In fact, the early days, most days are far from perfect. And so you need to be able to rely on your partners and colleagues in terms of both their capabilities, but also their integrity and their team orientation. And we found that. And one of the very early things I said to the guys, we have to create a culture that will allow us to actually enjoy what we're enjoying as a small group together. 
as a large firm, because I truly believe that culture can be a massive competitive advantage. It's not just a thing on the marketing brochure. It's a real potential competitive advantage. So we've worked really hard to build that iCapital. And we, again, we saw a really big market opportunity and we felt like we could create something that would really serve the marketplace. I talked about this earlier, but you know, the way I look at it is if we help other people succeed, if we help advisors make great decisions for their clients and their clients have good outcomes, and we help GPs bring great products into this very fragmented advisor space, then we will be successful in their wake. We had an offsite, a managing director offsite yesterday, the last two days, and I made the point, everything that we talk about, everything that, you know, as we think about strategy, the first thing we think about is why and how is this good for clients? And if it's good for clients, then we should do it and our success will follow if we truly help them be successful. And it seems like you have the ecosystem really pushing for you, meaning you've got some great people around the table. A lot of money has been put into iCapital. Can you tell us a little bit about your partners on that kind of capital standpoint? Alignment is a pretty powerful thing. And if you can create a situation where you're aligned with your investors, if you talk to the best GPs and either hedge funds or private equity funds, where there's great alignment, there's usually better outcomes. And you know, in many respects, as we thought about our business, having the largest GPs, having the largest banks, and having all those folks be part of our ecosystem, both as an investor and as a partner, would allow us to be more aligned and would allow us to work together to the positive outcome of everybody in the chain. And so we were very fortunate to have some great investors that are really important players in this ecosystem broadly develop a sense of confidence around what we were trying to do and support it with an investment. I'd point out that virtually every investor's investment comes from their balance sheet versus a fund. And so it's not like the Blackstones and Blackrocks and Carlisles or JP Morgans of the world are investing in one fund. And when that fund is realized that they're not interested, it comes from the balance sheet, which means their interest is across all of their business, which is really aligning. And so it's been fantastic as we think about what does the industry need? What technologies will make it easier for people? What types of products are people looking for? We have an incredible group of large players in the marketplace that actually tell us what they're trying to get done, how they want to move forward. And it allows us to be much more focused in terms of the technology we build, as well as the types of products we bring to the ecosystem. And so when we think about the solutions that iCapital provides, is it primarily on the software front platform with various solutions? Is there an element of a network? So a number of family offices, hundreds, thousands family offices that you help facilitate, get access and vice versa from the GP standpoint. You know, I think one of the important things we did really at the start was actually decide to build a company, really provided solutions to the whole value chain, if you will. So everything, if you think about it, you know, there's sourcing funds, diligencing funds, making those funds available. There are some companies that sort of just do that. There are technology companies that try to process the investments, process reporting, et cetera. And there are some companies that just do that. We looked at this and said, look, we think the real value is in building an end-to-end solution and then providing that solution on a modular basis. So when I think about many of the RIAs we work with, they rely on us and want us to help them find great products. So create access, create access in the right sizes and structures for their clients, 
They want our diligence in curation, and they want all the technology from marketing, subdoc processing, capital calls, distributions, reporting, you know, the full ownership experience. And then there are other clients, including the very large RIAs, as well as the big banks that don't need our selection. They have access and relationships with lots of general partners, but they want the technology and service layer that we provide. So to them, we provide just that. I think the ability to have the end-to-end solution and provide it on a modular basis has allowed us to support a much larger client base and help them solve the problems and the objectives that they're trying to address. Thinking about how you've been scaling iCapital, can you tell us the challenges that you faced or maybe surprises you encountered early on that you didn't anticipate? And then maybe the challenges that you face today? I would say the problems that, and I'd say maybe not the problems, but the things that I spend the most time thinking about are things that we all learned when we were little kids. You know, how do you create an environment of mutual respect? How do you get people to work together? How do you get people to be honest with each other, whether it's, I got to tell you something really good, RJ, or I'm going to tell you something not so good. How do you create a culture that works at 10 people, 50 people, we're now at 730 people, and it'll work at 5,000 people? How do you create a culture where people exude integrity, where people are honest with each other, where people always, always, always prioritize the client's interests before our own? and where they come to work every day with an incredible sense of passion. And so as you build the company, you try to screen for that. And sometimes you find people that are super excited about that culture. And sometimes you get people who, despite your best intentions, just want to operate in a different fashion. And often it's those people that create problems and headaches for you over time. And I always say, you know, when we have people that are culturally rich, those are the people we want to invest in And those are the people that we want to see thrive. And sometimes those people are in jobs that isn't the best use for them and they don't do as well. And so the job when you have those people is to take them and move them and put them in a seat where they can really crush it. Because those people, by definition, make everybody around them better. I said this at our MD offsite the other day, is like everybody who's in this room is in this room because first and foremost, not only are they good, more importantly, they make everybody around them better. And that's where you can really create some pretty cool things. I would say like the things I worry about historically and the things that I worry about prospectively are about how we work together as a team, how our culture scales, and making sure that everybody is singing to the same hymn book because that's how we support our clients most effectively. And for you, again, thinking back to the founding days, was a transition to entrepreneur an easy one? You know, it's different, right? One of the things that I loved about my experience running technology at Goldman was, you know, I was able to build a lot of really great friendships and partnerships with clients. I mean, I cared really deeply about how they did. Were they successful with their financings? Were they successful with their business, the M&A, whatever we helped them on. But the reality is, no matter how close I thought I was to them personally, I gave them advice and then they made the decisions. And then not only did they make the decision, but they then had to implement the decision. And by the way, Sometimes making the decision is the easy part. Implementing the decision is the harder part. And so it's definitely a very, very different job. I feel fortunate in my career, having had the chance to meet and work with some great founders and great executives that I try to, like a sponge, learn from them. And I feel like a lot of what I learned from them, and frankly, a lot of what I learned at Goldman, which has a very 
collaborative culture has been incredibly valuable to this exciting journey at iCapital because we're trying to really, as I said earlier, implement those same kinds of collaborative cultural elements. I feel like I've had the benefit through my prior experience of learning from some really great people. That's a lead into my next question. I usually end with a couple of these. Is there a CEO today that you think is particularly good? You kind of see his or her attributes and try to model them. I'm going to give an example of CEO who's, who's unfortunately deceased, but somebody who I think was an incredible CEO, and that's Andy Grove. Long-term number three employee at Intel behind Noyce and Gordon Moore, who spent the first 20 years of his life in Nazi-occupied Hungary and then Soviet-repressed Hungary and fought through some incredible challenges in life and, and came to the United States in the mid-late 50s. I ended up joining Intel and then taking the reins there. And over time, strategically continued to position Intel to be the incredible company that they were and are. And the whole Intel Inside campaign, which was incredibly brilliant strategically, but probably more important was the title of a book he wrote, which is Only the Paranoid Survive. Once you start coasting in life, whether it's running a company or doing anything else, you're already on your way down. And there was a guy who, despite tremendous success, never coasted, was always a little paranoid, was always really focused. I really try to be that way. I think you have to sort of worry about everything. You have to always make sure you're getting things done and getting them done right. And mailing it in is sort of the kiss of death. And he was a guy who never really ever mailed it in, in his professional life or his personal life, as I understand it. And so he's a guy I've always felt really was a tremendous executive and one you know I really wanted to emulate in many respects. That leads us to our last question, which is kind of in the same vein, but where do you see the company three to five years from now? I think there's a tremendous opportunity for us to really kind of help this marketplace really automate the entire journey of alternative investing. When you think about like there's some very significant megatrends that you know are really kind of moving us forward, the first of which is just the amount of money that's in the hands of high net worth investors. According to a BCG report late last year, there's $76 trillion in the hands of high net worth investors globally. And according to Oliver Wyman, that's growing at like seven and a half percent. So you know, five years down the road, it's 110 trillion dollars of wealth. And at the same time, the allocations of those high net worth dollars to alternatives continues to grow. It's obviously started from a very low place. And so what we're trying to do is actually sitting in the sweet spot of these megatrends, and we're trying to do it in an automated fashion. If there's a third megatrend, it's the increasing amount of automation in financial services. So we feel like we're in a really strong position to really help the industry. And my hope is, you know, today we're managing $108 billion on the platform, about a quarter of which already comes from investors outside the United States. And so we're really trying to build a global company, not a US company that has some offshore business, but a real global company. And we have 160 people or so outside the US already. And five years from now, I would like to see us generating half our asset growth offshore as much as kind of onshore US and be a platform that our largest GPs or banks can use everywhere that they need help, whether it's in the US or Asia or Europe or Latin America. I want our customers to be able to rely on us to support their objectives on a global basis. 
Fantastic. Well, that's a good note to end on. Lawrence, thank you so much again for taking the time. I know our audience will find this very insightful. A pleasure. Thanks, Arjun. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Thank you.